0: the edge with your Premier League predictions? Well, we've teamed up with InfoGoal to delve deeper into the data behind the game this season. From outright favourites to expected goals outsiders, we'll help you find value in the markets this season. This is Premier League Insights. Hello and welcome back. To Premier League insights this is game week four and thank goodness that international break is over well actually at the time of recording it's not over it's been fruitful if you're an England fan so far depending on what happens against Poland Jake Oscar Thorpe from info goal is with me as ever and uh, also just a couple of uh, soccer links for you that are very useful we've got all the Premier League betting odds at pinnacle.com and um, the opening day odds as well uh, for the return. Uh, after this international break, all the different game weeks that we're about to run through. I'll obviously give you the odds as we go through the podcast. And also, if you do want to go to see how the Info goal model works, it's Um So, uh, Jake, um, international breaks are always a bit dull. We won't reflect too much on it, actually. In fact, actually, we won't reflect on it at all. We'll get straight into the Premier League. This is the Premier League Insights podcast. Um, but the only thing that I will say, international breaks, do they affect clubs do, do you notice a change a shift in data uh, from the sample size that that you've got with info goal um after you know when, when teams return is there a change is there anything obviously barring injury being the obvious thing but do you sometimes see teams improve now i'm thinking teams like crystal palace they've had an extra bit of time to work on stuff behind closed doors matches that kind of thing do you ever see any any patterns appearing Um, Not specifically in the data, no. Um, I think this, you make a good point about
1: teams like Crystal Palace and like in in Norwich and Brentford, teams who don't have too many international players and keep a core together um, and really, really knuckle down ahead of the the, the first game back. So I'm pretty sure we'll get onto the Palace-Tottenham game. That's a really good opportunity for Palace to actually get a result against Spurs. I mean, we're talking about Spurs. They had Giovanni Lacelso and Christian Romero, two Argentines, arrested on the pitch against Brazil the other day. So, They're going to be potentially without those two guys. Um, And like you said, uh, you know, Kane's played a fair few minutes, a fair few few more minutes than I would have expected him to in the England matches so far. Um, And yeah, yeah, a few Min Sons over out in in Asia, doing Asian World Cup qualifying as well. It's a long way to travel. So it it can be a slight advantage, I would say. Um, But yeah, I think the the one thing to remember and, and factor in this Season it's so pretty much similar to last season. Is that the the, the schedule's so congested? I mean, there's a reason. Well, there's multiple reasons actually why the big Premier League clubs refuse to let South Americans travel over to, um, to partake in the South American World Cup qualifying. One's obviously the COVID regulations. So red list country, so they would have to quarantine on the way back in. And the other is the fact that their final round of fixtures is actually Thursday night, early Friday morning, UK time. Players that play in those games aren't realistically going to be back in time to play the weekend. Um, So, you know, those kind of things have to be factored in. That will definitely give teams like your Man United, Man City, Chelsea, whoever's got South Americans, they pretty much all stayed in place apart from those four Lacelso Celso and, and Romero have already said Emi Martinez and Emi Wendier of, of Villa both travelled over so th- those four players will probably it's very extremely unlikely that they'll be playing this game and maybe not even the game after yeah. um, so things
0: to factor in there Yeah that's the things to factor in and that's all we're going to talk about international break wise we'll get straight into it then um, game week four. Arsenal against Norwich City is the first game that we're going to run through here on the Premier League Insights. Of course, we're going to Relegation six-pointer. <laughs> yeah, I think it possibly is. And and look, this podcast is all about finding value in the markets and how our betters can get an advantage. And I just look at this one, and, and, and I'm scratching my head, mate, to be honest. I, look, on paper, and the odds reflect this, Arsenal at 1.529, Norwich to win is 64 it is a three o'clock kickoff on Saturday. Um, under 0.5 goals is at 2.360. I can't really see that, you know, just purely objectively with no data in front of me. I think both teams are going to score. And that's interesting because that's your analyst's view as well with Info Goal, isn't it? Uh, both teams are actually minus nine goal difference. So they've clearly got problems at the back. I know obviously Arsenal had to play with 10 men against City. Which is never really particularly easy. And uh, that probably reflects in the goal difference there. But just one goal scored between both sides this season. But I can't see it being goalless somehow, Jake. Um, Try and find us the value then in this one, because I think the odds are actually just really short for an Arsenal victory. But I'm sure that you can uh, try and plump it up in other ways. Yeah, you're right. I think if you'd have said to me at the start of the season that Arsenal
1: would be going off at around 1.53 for. A home game against Norwich, I would have probably said back it all day long blindly because they're going to win more often than than not. Um, but having you know watched them over the first few games of the season, the you know, the injury issues, the COVID issues that they've had, the squad doesn't look as, as good as what it um as what we thought it was. They've definitely taken some backward steps. Admittedly, they've had a difficult schedule, played um you know, at Brentford. It's not not the easiest of games, but I guess not the hardest before playing Chelsea, Manchester City. Um But then you factor in Norwich as well. They've also had an extremely tough schedule. They've played three of the last season's top five already. Um, You know, and yeah, it's just really hard to make a case for Arsenal at that price. And I'm I'm definitely swinging the other way. And I'm looking at trying to get Norwich on side for this. I think Norwich have shown me enough, especially in that game against Leicester, that they can be um, more competitive than last time they were in the Premier League. They actually won the XG battle on that occasion. They should have come away with a point. Um, you know, they, I think it was one defensive lapse for the opener that, that sort yeah. of set the tone. Um, and, you know, yeah, we've seen Arsenal get beat 5-0 by Man City as well. So it's not like that result was a complete one-off. And in fact, Norwich actually performed better based on the
0: expected goals data. As yeah. we said, Arsenal did play with 10 men. Norwich as well, um, by the way. They've brought in Josh Sargent, Ozan Kabak, Milo Rashica. I mean, that that is probably actually going to improve their... Team, isn't it? You know, they had a decent transfer window. I'd say, considering they've got that weird structure where they actually try and keep everything very tight, money-wise, and they don't want to overspend in case they go down. That's probably why they are a yo-yo club in in many respects. But it seems to me like they've they've got it a, a bit better. They've got they've got it right this time. They're a bit more well equipped for Premier League football, and, and, and this game is actually probably the first real proper test um, of that, particularly after this break. And like you said, at right at the top of the program. You know, there's, there's no, um, the, you know, they don't have that many international players. So they've, they've probably had a bit of a chance to work at a few things that, you know, like the defensive laps against Leicester, they can iron those things out. So is that where you'd expect them to, this is a game, isn't it really, that kind of lends itself and it's, they'll see it as a free hit as well, surely? hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, we, we said, I said jokingly that this is a relegation
1: six pointer, but it does have that early season must-win feel for both clubs. I mean, if Arsenal fail to win this game or even lose it, then you'd imagine Arteta's get sacked the following morning. Um, and, you know, even if they go behind, we saw what the atmosphere was like at the Emirates against Chelsea. As soon as things didn't go their way, everything, you know, it, it just turns into a booing playground, really. And, and Norwich should be able to take advantage of that. Um, but yeah, interesting what you're saying there about their recruitment. So they brought in some some nice pieces, um, obviously funded by the Emi Buendia sale. So they're not, going above and beyond spending wise, they're using you know they're being sensible, playing within the within the remit and and using that money to reinvest and strengthen the team. And if they need to come January do the same, they could always sell um, a Todd Cantwell or someone else along those lines uh, to bring in more money if they needed it. So they're, they're a well- run club on Norwich. like I said, they are a yo-yo club, but they're, they're well run in the sense that they're always going to be in the the sort of top 24, if you like, of the pyramid. They're always going to be top four championship um at the very least. And I, I think they can go there and get a result um, at Arsenal. Um, I wouldn't be at all surprised if they got a point. I wouldn't be at all surprised if they actually won the game. Um, I think they're a much more exciting team to watch than Arsenal. I think Arsenal are just a little bit too rigid for my liking. Um, It'll be interesting to see what Arsenal, how Arsenal set up. Is Ben White going to be back in, um, in the side? Because he's obviously a really, uh, probably their best defender, which... Based on his early season performances, doesn't say a lot about Arsenal's defensive team. Um, but you know, no, Granit Xhaka is that more of a help than a hindrance? We'll find out. Mm. Odegaard will have a, f- a few more minutes under his legs this time around. Uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang should be, um, you know, pretty much up to speed now. So you know, Arsenal's team is finally coming uh, together after three games of just complete, you know, chaos. And and Norwich are, as we've said, the kept the core together throughout this international break. So they'll be very well prepared. And, um, and yeah, looking at the prices, I mean, you can get Norwich plus 0.5 uh, on the Asian handicap at 2.7, which is Norwich to avoid defeat. But just for a bit of extra security, I'm going to take Norwich plus one on the Asian handicap, uh, which is at 2.03. So that means if Norwich do lose by a single goal, we get our state back. If they lose by two or more, we have a losing bet. But if they avoid defeat or win the game, then we've got a nice even money winner. Um, yeah, I don't think it's going to be high scoring. I think these two will struggle to create chances, um, and it's going. Yeah, it's going to be cagey. Like I said, it's a it's a big, pretty big game for both teams. And you know, I think if Norwich could get a win in this match, he'd come away from those first four games having played
0: four of last season's top eight with three points, that'd be a good return. There we go. That's what Jake Oscar Thorpe from InfoGoal has said. That's the first game that we're covering on game week for Norwich plus one on the Asian handicap. So just to sort of reiterate what Jake said, if you do lose, if Norwich do lose that game by a single goal, you get your money back, but it's a nice even money winner if they manage most to win the game. So there you go. Uh, so that's the first game that we've boxed off. Uh, the next game is probably the game of the weekend. In fact, not probably, most certainly. Leicester City at home against Manchester City. Now uh, Leicester miles out at 6.22. Um, so three o'clock kickoff. Man City are at one and a half. So they're all thereabouts at time of recording. Uh, Pep against Brendan. Um, interesting because you, you look at those odds and then you look at the manager head to head odds. And I know this is actually, you can have little to no bearing. You know, history doesn't really have a bearing, but it just gives you an indication that actually uh, Brendan Rodgers is, he clearly does his homework on how Pep's going to set up. Um, eight matches, four wins for Pep, three wins for Brendan, and one. Draw, So that's fairly level. Um, and then you compare and contrast that with the odds and you go, Oh, hello, Leicester look decent. You might disabuse me of that notion uh, in a second, Jake. Uh, the analyst view is under two and a half goals. Leicester won five, two. You got to remember last season, city have won back-to-back matches five nil this season. Um, Can Leicester upset Manchester City again, Jake? Um, There's a 21% chance of a win for Leicester City and a 53% chance that Manchester City will win, um, according to InfoGoal. and a draw is at 26%. So there's more of a chance of a draw than there is of a win for Leicester. Is that something that you'd agree with? And where can our betters find the advantage in the market? Um, I'm all about Man
1: City in this game. I think Leicester, for me, have been one of the most disappointing teams so far this season. They were really fortunate to come away with a win against Wolves on the opening day. They were absolutely hammered by West Ham uh, and scraped a 2-1 win at Norwich again, in which they they were second best based on the chances created. So um, I'm not quite sure what's going on there. Um, They were a team that we liked at the start of the season. Obviously, they've got six points from nine, so it's not a bad return, but... The performances are way off what I expected to see from um, from Brendan Rodgers' team, and then obviously City on the flip side have been, um, you know, pretty incredible as we expected. Blip on the opening day, but we did really, as we've discussed on previous podcasts, they they were unlucky not to get something from that game against Spurs. Created loads of chances, and i have done so uh, in the last two matches. Two very very easy home uh, home wins, five nil each. So, yeah, I think. Looking at the uh, at the odds, I'm very surprised to see Man City available at 1.56 to win the game. I think that's um, a standout bet really for this weekend. I think you know it's, some people might not like betting on the short price 1.56. It's just just above one to two, um, but for me that that price should be a little bit shorter. Should be close to around 1.4. I think that the golf in this in the between these teams is massive. I know that obviously. Leicester did win the FA Cup and the Community Shield against Manchester City, but they're one-off games and, um, you know, we know what Pep Guardiola's like in one-off games, all the tinkerings that that go on. Um, And you could be argued that Leicester were fortunate to win both games, really. Um, Not every every day you sit back and let Man City have loads of chances and get away with it. So I'm I'm quite confident City will get the win in this one. And and if you wanted a bit more, uh, a bit of a bigger price, Manchester City to win minus one on the Asian handicap at 1.97. So again, if City win by exactly one goal, so we'll 1-0, 2-1, 3-2, uh, we get our stake back. But if they win 2-0, 3-1, 3-0, 4-0, you know, anything above uh, by a two-goal margin, um, then we get a nice winner. Cause I do think this is going to be quite a comfortable um, comfortable victory, similar to what they've done in recent years at at the King Power, actually. One two 0 there last season. Uh, one nil the season before. Um, so yeah, another potential angle would Manchester City to win to nil because
0: defensively they've looked pretty sensational so far. That's uh, that's pretty good. I mean, you you fairly assertive there, Jake. Like that back in <laughs> yeah. City. I, I'm not sold
1: on Leicester so far. They've not really, they've not impressed me at all. No, um, no. And they you know it could be argued they've actually had
0: one of the kinder runs to start the season. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Most well, difficult it's game it. being being West Ham. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And um, you know that I mean look that was that was a great that was a great game and it always was going to be, wasn't it? We kind of predicted that that was going to be the case. But yeah, you're right. They've not they've been a bit quiet. Like nobody's really kind of waxing lyrical about them or neither, you know, are they kind of saying that there's any kind of crisis, but you know heading into a game against Manchester City you kind of want a bit of form under your belt, don't you? You want to have impressed yeah. in your previous game. So there we go. There you have it. City to win. And defensively, your mate, if you remember a few pods ago,
1: talking about Vestergaard, <laughs> you know, he's, he's not really had a kick just yet, but they're still missing for Farner and they will be for a while. And he's by far and away their best defender. Uh, soon choose look like a bit of a clown at the back for, the, yeah. for them in the opening three games um, he'll definitely be a target for whoever plays down the middle or slightly off the right hand side for Manchester City I hope it's Gabriel Jesus because he's been in sensational form on that right wing mm. I think it's four assists or something already um, so that, that could be one angle of attack is, is just looking at that, that match up those out to win runs of, of Jesus if he plays on the right hand side and he's running directly at
0: Sonchu because he really struggles with that kind of defending as we saw against Norwich yeah exactly and, and, and also I mean you just look at the City squad and there's no you know this is pure semantics here Jake but you look at Grealish Sterling um, Ferran Torres Gabriel Jesus I mean that's More. like yeah exactly Torres. It's just formidable, isn't it, going forwards? Um, absolutely formidable. And everyone was saying, oh, we've not replaced Aguero. Well, I don't think they really need to. And, and genuinely, I think that's probably what they've thought, isn't it? they thought, we're all right. We're, we won the league last year. We're okay. Got to a Champions League. Now we're fine. You know what I mean? They, they, they don't yeah. need to do that. And let's so be honest, they, they they played with a false nine for most of last season anyway. Aguero barely kicked a football. Yeah,
1: So exactly. they, he wasn't really in need of, of being replaced. It was just more of a move him on, get him off the wage bill because he's, he's not, you know, he's he's injured more than he is playing. So Mm -hmm. smart move. And uh, you know, the other thing to potentially factor in is that Kevin De Bruyne could be fit for this. He obviously has missed the start of the season. He had a few injuries um, coming out of the Euros, but he should be well rested after a week and a half off. I don't think he's been playing for Belgium. Could be wrong there, but that is another thing for Leicester to worry about. Not only you've got Grealish, you've got De Bruyne now and you know, it's it's frightening prospect, really. Um, they can pass you to death, really. And, and those players in particular, you think of Marez, Bernardo Silva, they can pass the ball through an eye of a needle and break lines. So, yeah, it's frightening. and It's the perfect
0: combination for breaking down a deep line block. There you go. There you have it. So uh, City to win minus one on the Asian handicap or 2 nil. Uh, the next game we're going to look at is Chelsea against Aston Villa. Um, Aston Villa, it's got to be said, at Stamford Bridge. Way out at 12.6, uh, Chelsea 1.2. A draw is about five and a half. It's a half past five kickoff. Is that Villa price too big, Jake? That was my initial thought looking at that. They've not been bad. They've not been amazing. Um, where could they expose Chelsea? Because. Yeah, I say that price looks too big. I'm going to massively contradict myself here. <laughs> Chelsea, are, Chelsea are unbelievable at the back, aren't they? They're so, so good at the back. Um, the analyst view says over two and a half goals. Uh, can you see anything other than than goals in, in this one? I mean, I, I can't really see them coming from a, from a Villa end. What What's it kind of pointing at to you? You've got the data in front of you. You've got a better better idea um, of which way this one's going to go. Um the attacking setup is probably where the most intrigue is, though, I'm guessing. Um, you know, who, who plays with Lukaku? Because I think it's a given now, having seen Chelsea with Lukaku, that he's going to play every game. It's just who plays with him.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And um, the, <laughs> you say the price about a Villa win is big, but like Leicester, they're a team I'm just not sold on so far this mm-hmm. season. They've not impressed me whatsoever. They've had a, an easy start on, on paper. Um, Watford, Newcastle, Brentford. Come away with four points. It's not the worst start to the season, but you know I think we, we nailed it last in the last game we had under two and a half and a Brentford to avoid defeat, and that's just because Villa aren't creating chances. To put it bluntly, they um, they're, they're not creating chances from open play. They, they were reliant on penalties in the opening two matches to to get the X sheet. Values up. Uh, Non-penalty XG against Watford was at 0.46 against Newcastle, 0.55 and against Brentford, 0.84. So they're yet to break one non-penalty expected goal in a single game this season. Um, You know, it's not really a surprise. They're they're in a bit of transition. They were so used to playing with Jack Grealish and him being the man and being the creator um, for that team that, Switching him out with two and three different players was always going to be difficult to get them settled in, get them to gel. Um, but yeah, Emmy Buendia was was one player that was brought in to potentially, you know, fill that creative void, if you like, to, to fill the scoring void. Um, and he's going to be missing this game. So yeah. that's a, a huge issue. And, I, and as is Emmy Martinez, as I've said earlier, who's their goalkeeper and, you know, is one of their best players, if not the best player for them last season. So a few issues personnel-wise for Villa. Um, Chelsea's just, yeah, embarrassment of riches, isn't it, really? I mean, frightening. They could play two 11s and both are finishing the top four, um, bringing in Sal niggers from, uh, from Atletico Madrid just because having Kante, Jorginho and Kovacic wasn't enough. Um, yeah, they're, they're real serious title contenders. Um, and as you said, it's just a matter of who plays with Lukaku. They've got so many options up there. Pulisic, Werner, Havertz, Ziyech. Hudson Odoi, um, Mount. The list goes on. I would go as far as saying it's not fair that they've accumulated a squad that is just simply, you know, there's two and three players that can play in each position. Um, so yeah, not surprised to see Chelsea so short for this. Chelsea Winter Nil is probably short as well. Um, I would just be tempted though. I know that the Lukaku's in the building and and they've got the attacking firepower. This is going to be a backs-against-the-wall job for Villa. Um, and that, that for me, makes me lean towards a low-scoring game. Um, we know Chelsea aren't the most prolific when it comes to scoring goals. They don't go and beat teams 3-4-5 um, like Manchester City do. They are very controlled in the way they win. Um, they keep the football possession, starve the opposition, uh, and slowly break them down. So I'd be looking at under 2.5 goals, which is around uh, 2.1 on pinnacle at the moment. And that's a very good price in my book. So under two and a half goals, Chelsea to winter nil. Um, as I've said, Villa aren't creating any chances from open play. and They're really going to struggle against what is a, uh, an exceptionally stubborn Chelsea defense. I mean, we saw that, didn't we, against Liverpool yeah. down to 10 men, backs against the wall job. Yeah, they conceded a fair few chances in that, but they were all at the end of the first half while they were all still in chaos
0: once Tuchel managed to sort of get his his hands on him at half time it <laughs> didn't really look like conceding did they in the second half and, and that sounds really daft but they, they didn't they, they showed up it was almost like really are Liverpool actually playing against 10 it was frightening wasn't it um, yeah. and then they were unlucky to to concede really you've got to say um, there you go that's Chelsea Villa boxed off um, under two and a half goals 2.1 on pinnacle good value good value for our soccer fans um, or Chelsea to win 2-0, right? Uh, that's 2-0, not 2-0, just to just to clarify. <laughs> they will um, probably win 2-0 though. Yeah, well, yeah, there you go. <laughs> right, the next game we're going to go for, this is a Sunday game. and uh, We'll have a look at any of the business, but this is our fourth and final featured game here on the podcast. And also just to mark your card, uh, this weekend could see the return of Cristiano Ronaldo to the Premier League. So we'll be talking about Who? that. Yeah. yeah, who? Five Ballon doors? Unbelievable. How oh, is I that really, all? No. I was really excited about it. I, 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 You know what? We'll come on to that shortly. We'll come on to that. We'll get <laughs> this um, this game at Ellen Road at half past four on Sunday out of the way. Uh, Leeds at uh, 4.96. Liverpool at 1.68 um, at time of recording. A draw is at 4.2. Uh, Bamford is coming off the back of um, his England debut. Rafinha started the season fairly well. This is all from a Leeds perspective. So... I'm kind of thinking, will Bielsa's football be better suited to play in Liverpool? I mean, we've seen them get absolutely thrashed at Man United. Um, Jake's shaking his head, <laughs> which is making me laugh. Um, because I, we see, we talked about this, didn't we? Is it this thing that Man United have that they just, the system that they play just completely destroys anything that Bielsa has up his sleeve? Um It was 4-3. You might remember the opening game of the season last year. It was brilliant, wasn't it? Uh, 4-3 to Liverpool. An absolute thriller. Um, obviously there's been a lot of football being played between, you know, since then Liverpool without uh, Bobby Firmino. Um, have they got enough strength in depth, Jake to, to really make damage? I'm seeing him nodding. So I've already had him sort of, you know, <laughs> just sort of basically don't be silly, James. This is what I'm here to play. Here to play devil's advocate, Jake um, over four and a half goals in this one is 4.3. Um, is it going to be cagey or is there a bit of value there, Jake? Cause that's kind of the one that really stood out to me just on previous performances and also the fact that Liverpool are free scoring. Um, So what do you think? Where's the value in this one, buddy? I'm looking at Liverpool to win. Um, I'm very
1: surprised that you can back them at 1.735 currently. Um, uh, I just think that's too big. I think there's a big gulf between these two teams. Um, As you said, Liverpool won 4-3 last season at Anfield with a full compliment, but the scoreline didn't really do them justice. They deserved to win 4 0, never mind 4 3. It was just an exceptionally clinical performance by Leeds. Um, three goals from 0.3 XG. They, Liverpool was just dominant. And, um, you know, Leeds were much better the second time around at, at Ellen Road. They actually won the XG battle quite convincingly in that one. But again, it wasn't a full compliment, Liverpool. They were missing. Their stalwart at the back, um, Fabinho and Kabak with with a centre back pairing on that occasion. Wow. Um, Milner, Wanaldo, and Thiago was the midfield three, and there was no Mohamed Salah either. So th- there's a lot of caveats there as to why potentially Leeds look the better team. Mm. Um, yeah, I-, I think that Liverpool are just they just look to me they've started the season really well. Um, it was a good game against Chelsea for for half an hour uh, for the first half. They were It was a really um, well-contested match. Yeah. They did create a few good chances before halftime. And yeah, you know, on the balance of it, they probably did deserve to get three points. But, you know, I think they'd have taken a draw before that. If they lose that game, then everyone's questioning the title credentials. If they draw the game, it's just right onto the next one. Um, And yeah, Leeds have been underwhelming in my opinion so far. I think the way in which they, the performance against Everton was... Not great. Everton actually should have won that game. Um, A couple of good finishes from Leeds. And then against Burnley, the first time we've seen Burnley create more than one expected goal um, from open play in in, in the Premier League so far this season. So, yeah, I've got question marks around Leeds. Um, I think Rafinha might be suspended for this game, which is a big bit of a blow. Uh, We might see Dan James make his debut, um, having signed for, scratching my head, £25 million. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ronaldo went for like 15 to Man United. But, Crazy. And Dan um,
0: James went to Leeds for
1: about 30-odd, so, you know. Yeah, yeah. I guess, <laughs> you know, factoring age and that, maybe you've got a case, but. Yeah. Yeah, like you were saying about the, the way in Leeds, in which Leeds set up against the better teams, it just doesn't suit playing the better, better teams, better players, because they, they literally play man-to-man all over the pitch and, if you're playing against a team who's got better men than you, um, then you're going to get torn apart. And that's what we saw Manchester United do. They just take advantage because they've got players that can do that. And Liverpool will be exactly the same. They'll be relishing this op- uh, this opponent and and really, you know, they've got a chance of making a statement if they go to Leeds and win three and four. Um, eyes, catches the eye straight away. And, um, and I, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see them do so. I think that, as I've said, Leeds will press high up the pitch and that is exactly what Liverpool like. Um, play but straight into their it's hands. It's what they want, um, isn't it? It's what they want. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, especially when you've got Van Dijk who can spray big, big diagonals and cut you open that way. So yeah, I'm, I'm surprised at Liverpool around 1.73. Um, I would probably back that down to 1.65. That, I think that for me, that's a correct price. So yeah, Liverpool just to win the game looks like a really strong value bet
0: for me. Well, there you go. There you go. There are four main games that we're covering here on Premier League Insights Podcast. Um, Jake, uh, just with these two remaining games, quick fire, nice and quick fire for our listeners. Um, Crystal Palace against Tottenham and Southampton against West Ham. Um, just one bit of sort of value from each game, if possible, you know, like nail your colours to the mast as quick as you can go for it. Something that jumps off the page. And then we'll get into some Cristiano Ronaldo chat up. Um, And we're not just going to be talking about how great it is that he's back because all the other radio shows and podcasts have done all that. We want numbers and what difference it's going to make to the Premier League season for Manchester United. Uh, But those other two games, uh, Palace against Spurs and Southampton against West Ham, Uh, Where are you thinking? Um, Palace-Spurs, I'm looking at under 2.5, 1.81 at the moment on Pinnacle. Um,
1: Palace struggling to score goals, create chances. I know they scored twice against West Ham, but West Ham are are one of the most poorest defences in the league, and they were last season, even though they finished sixth. Spurs won three games in a row under Nuno, all 1-0, all struggling. They didn't create too many chances in all three of them, just played um, for a 1-0 win, if you like. Uh, fortunate to win two of those deserve to beat Watford I-, I won't be at all surprised if Palace got something from this either so I'm looking at under two and a half goals Palace plus
0: 0.5 Asian handicap awesome okay okay under two and a half goals and Palace plus plus. What was that? Plus 1.5?
1: 0.5. Plus point. I mean, if Pinnacle want to give us 1.5 at the same price, I'll snap my hand off.
0: <laughs> I like it. Let's do it. All right. That's good. That's good. So that's that game. And Southampton against West Ham. We like West Ham on this podcast, don't we? We do like them. And that's because of the expected goals and the chances created. They're exciting to watch. But in terms of the game, I mean, West Ham, it just screamed West Ham win. I mean, are we going, are we going overs there as well? Uh, I think it will be overs, but I don't know if I don't think there's any value
1: in over two and a half, which is around 1.75. Um, I would be looking at West Ham to win the game though. 2.47 at the time of recording. Um, yeah, Southampton are just a bit of a mess defensively. They even in, you know, they, they deserved got a point against Newcastle, but they conceded a fair few chances in that one. 1.37 XG, 2.16 to United, 2.19 to Everton. So their shipping chances left and right. Um, and West Ham are, are creating chances for fun really 3.15 against Newcastle one 2.57 against Leicester 1.44 against Palace so um, you know strong attacking team weak defensive team um, West Ham to win 2.47 I, I'd probably back that down to around 2.38 what's that 13 to 8 um, yeah and then yeah over two and a half it, it looks highly likely but at that price, at 1.75,
0: uh, I don't think there's much juice. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Interesting. Thanks, Jake. Uh, oh, for anytime. Time. <laughs> Thanks. Um, right. We're getting on to this sort of the bit that I'm really excited about is the return of Cristiano Ronaldo. And uh, I've got a caveat here. I mean, if it's the first time that anybody's listened to this podcast, they'll know that... You or I, unfortunately, don't support teams that are in the Premier League. In fact, you, far from it. But we'll, you know, we'll. we'll, 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 Sorry, even low low blow. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Move on quickly. We we shall. We shall move on. (laughs) Um, Is the Ronaldo effect? What are we going to find from the Cristiano Ronaldo effect? I mean, I'm so excited about it. And I'm not a Man United fan at all, like we just said. And But I just, I can't wait to see him back. Can't wait to see what he can do. He's obviously a completely different footballer uh, from uh, the last time round. Um, you know, 196 appearances, 84 goals, 34 assists those first two or three seasons, he was a bit of a show pony uh, from memory. And also talking to sort of journalists who've covered Man United for, for years and years and years, you know, 18 years ago, he made his debut for goodness sake for Manchester United. And they were saying that, yeah, the first sort of couple of seasons he had no end product and he was, you know, he was exciting and got sort of fans sort of off the seats and whatnot. But um, it was in that last couple of seasons when he won the Ballon d'Or and the Champions League before he obviously made that move to Real Madrid, where he just sort of just, went to a different level altogether different footballer um in syria he was absolutely unbelievable as well because you look last season and all this i know he scores penalties and was on you know set pieces and whatever you've got to remember he scored 29 goals in syria it's 29 goals and a lot of people are waxing lyrical about romelu Lukaku. And Chelsea have paid 97.5 million quid for him. And yes, he's got age on his side. And yes, he's a different kind of player. And it adds so much more, doesn't he? Uh, than, than Ronaldo but you can't argue with those numbers can you it was a team that didn't win the title as well Juventus and he scored five more goals you know in, across the season Jake you're going to probably have a bit of a pop in the air and say oh no you know expected goals you know this that and the other and he was incredibly clinical or so I don't know but those numbers are numbers and uh, that you can't really argue with um, Manchester United to win the Premier League their opening odds Um, were 6.61 with Pinnacle before a ball had been kicked to the Premier League season. That was the day before the Premier League season started. Um, uh, On the 1st of September, so the day that Ronaldo's deal was rubber-stamped by Manchester United, the odds plummeted to 4.920. And to win the golden boot, he is at fives, um, which, you know... I don't know. I mean, you're shaking red at that one, mate. Um, let me know your thoughts. What are your thoughts on this? How much of an impact is he going to have? And can he still do it in the Premier League? What have Manchester United signed him for without talking about shirt sales? <laughs> yeah. No,
1: they've signed him for uh, for goals, really. That's the main reason that he he's, in his later years, he's definitely more of a number nine then he will the then an out and out winger he's um you know serial poacher uh, he's fantastic in the air as well um, in the most recent international match which he just so happened to break the uh, international scoring record he scored two unbelievable headers um yeah that he's basically the kind of sh- well he's a striker um that they'd be missing really cuz you think back, Zlatan Ibrahimovic was probably the last out and out striker that they had yeah. before Cavani that was, you know, world, you know, world class. I mean, mm. Cavani is, is a class striker, don't get me wrong, but Ronaldo's just in a slightly different, uh, different league. And, you know, you said the, the stats there. Um, yeah, he scored 29 goals last season for Juventus uh, in a struggling team. Those goals came in 31 um, starts and two sub appearances. So 29 goals in 33 total appearances, which is just ridiculous. Um, and his expected goals total was 28.3. So pretty much bang in line with wow. his, his actual total. And to be fair, Ronaldo's, um, you know, we can judge players on being clinical or not clinical, but Ronaldo's always in and around his expected total. And that, the fact that his expected total is so high shows how often he gets in good scoring positions. Um, which is, you know, quite sensational. He averaged 0.9 expected goals per ninety-five minutes last season. So wow, basically, as soon as he enters the pitch, he's gonna get 0.9 expected goals, which is equivalent of around three big chances. Um, you know, if he scores two of them, you win in the game. Um, you know, even look even back to the previous season, 1920, where he scored just the 31 goals for Juventus in the league. Um, same again, 27.3 expected goals, very similar in terms of production. Um, and you know the guy's just a I like using the word freak he is a freak yeah that's what he is he's a freak and Manchester United have signed a player that is a, a, a huge difference maker and he's going to be on the pitch will he drive them to a title I don't think so I don't know I don't think that he will provide them with enough all round game um, he'll definitely score a lot of goals so the golden boot Price interests me a little bit yeah. mainly because of the penalty aspect because he will not let Bruno Fernandes be taking those penalties yeah well that's um, the thing yeah, yeah. The and thing. Bruno Fernandes scored double figure penalties last season so if you add if you give Ronaldo a double figure penalty head start uh, he only needs to get over 10 11 Correct. goals to to potentially place Bruno Fernandes place last season with 18 goals Um. so yeah that's, that's a potential angle I like the look of but just looking at his some of his stats so um his goals to Juventus over the last two seasons so last season his goals were worth 18 points to Juventus so basically he 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 was scoring crucial goals that were winning the matches and the season before that it was 24 points he was worth to Juventus so if Ronaldo's goals were taken away 24 they would have lost 24 points in the title winning season I mean, that is, um, it, I
0: mean those stats
1: are absolutely astonishing it's like, mad. I mean unbelievable isn't that's it that's nearly that? a quarter of their points total in, in fact it's more than a quarter um, and then just for context Bruno Fernandes obviously was the most influential player at United last mm. season his goals were only worth 13 points to Man United. so right. even in a, in a team that was struggling Ronaldo was, was still way more crucial than Uh, Fernandes,
0: whose team obviously was, um, you know, doing slightly better. Uh, You know, what you've also got to look at, Jake, is the fact that he's got good players around him at Manchester United. You know, this is a team that finished second in the Premier League last season, albeit a distant second in the end to to Manchester City. But they've got, you know, Pogba, Sancho, Greenwood, um, you know, Rashford, Martial, and, and and Bruno Fernandes as well feeding him Portugal teammates no less you'd, you'd suspect that actually he will have no problem um, wrestling those set pieces off Fernandes you might see a sharing type scenario we're not sure if Ronaldo's going to be playing 90 minutes every single week particularly to begin with the bloke plays 90 minutes he, I mean he does doesn't
1: he I was having this conversation Like we just, one of the guys at work colleague has just been talking to us about his Champions League outrights, and I said well Ronaldo for top score in the Champions League, he's like, no, he might get rotated. I was like, Ronaldo does not get rotated. He, he hates it. He trains every week, every single day, longest hours in the gym, longest hours at the training ground. He doesn't train all that time to sit on the bench and be rotated. Um, and, you know, when, when you're at that age anyway, you don't really need rotating. You, what he you should probably be doing is taking a lot, not a backseat at training, but just reducing what he's doing a little bit and just trying to keep himself at the top of his game, but he'll not do that. He's a relentless machine. Um, and it's exciting to have him back because, you know, not only are you getting the on-field stuff that we've discussed, the you know, the goals, but you're also getting the off-the-field benefit of having just a born winner with such an incredible attitude in and around the likes of Greenwood, Rashford, Sancho. Um, and, you know, we saw an uplift in Rashford when Ibrahimovic was there. Rashford's game did increase quite a lot because he's learning a lot from, you know, wise old head, a player who's been there, done it. It's going to be even more so when you've got Ronaldo there. It was, like, it was a club icon, a club legend, a player that Rashford and you know, Greenwood probably grew up watching and idolising. The amount of things that they'll be able to learn from him. And, and you, you, know, I'm thinking far ahead here. And again, we're not Man United fans, but it's a signing that could almost grab more players to come, back, to, to, come to Manchester United. I mean, we're talking about and Mbappe, who's out of contract next summer. Ronaldo's his idol as well. Why aren't Man- Manchester United, if they make a contract offer. Ronaldo could be a big persuader in him and potentially go United rather than Madrid. Same could be said for Haaland as well. Yeah. Um, you know, so those, he, he's that kind of, he's got that kind of gravity, he's such a big personality, a big player, such a winner yeah. that having him in and around the dressing room will be just immense for, for the United squad. And, you know, Graham Souness's favourite player, Paul Pogba, he might get a kick <laughs> up the bum from having Ronaldo there because he's no longer the biggest ego. He isn't. He's, his ego is dwarfed by Ronaldo's. Ronaldo yeah. is, is the big, the big man. He's been there. He's done it. He's won
0: everything there is to win. Um, but they say that, you know, you say the ego thing, and this is kind of where, look, we're straying away slightly here, but it, you, got, you do look at that and everybody says that he is so intent on improving everyone. And yes, he loves that. You know, you saw him, saw that goal for Portugal didn't we, last week to break the international scoring record. Another ridiculous record that he's broken but you know he's taking the shirt off and he's running over and it was all about him of course it was you know he wanted that moment and quite you know rightly so however every person all these former teammates that have come out you know from Quinton Fortune to Rio (laughs) Ferdinand you know that everybody has said the same in the last few weeks since this thing has become apparent that Ronaldo is going to be playing back in the Premier League they've all said that they he wants to improve and he doesn't actually care if the, unless the team is winning as long as the team's won if he hasn't scored he's not actually that bothered it, it's all about that but he gives off this air of of course it's all about me and if he does score he's going to milk it and let everybody know about it and really bask in it and you can't really you can't really not that it's yeah. going to I be really you mentioned a
1: game in in the internationals you you're talking about the the winning goal but the goal that actually overtook the record was the mm. equalising goal and he went yeah, straight yeah. to grab the ball and straight to the center spot because that was only an equaliser. Well yeah that there shows you the go. mentality of the bloke, you know he's he's frightening really and I think it's if you if you create chances for him, he'll score them. Uh, and that's you know his runs he's intelligent with his running. You know, he doesn't he's not a high pressing player in his later age. Obviously he's not he doesn't do all that intense pressure mm. pressing. Press He's, he's sensational in the air. Uh, his hold-up plays good. Um, yeah, it, it's it's going to be really exciting to see what happens. And and for me, he, he's going to be the number nine. He's going to play down the middle. He's going to have Rashford, Sancho, Greenwood either side. He's going to have Fernandez in behind. Pogba maybe is a tad bit deeper. feeding him. Um, you know, you've, you've now got Varane as well alongside Maguire that could potentially mean that rather than playing two all in midfielders, United could play a three and push higher up the pitch and also make them more attacking. So, yeah, it's it's exciting, but um I don't know, I, I still feel like they're a holding midfielder away, Man United for being a a, a real contender. Um, I mean, if, I'm, I was surprised he didn't go and try and get Saul, to be honest. Because mm. I think he would have been a, a decent fit to just sit there at the base of a pivot. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, it's it's exciting to have him back in the Premier League. And, you know, I'm pretty sure, I've not looked at the prices, but I'd imagine he's maybe around the even money mark to score against Newcastle <laughs> at the weekend, maybe even shorter. Um, yeah. You know, every, every week in Serie A or the Liga previously, he was odds on to score
0: because he's just that kind of player. We've got loads of odds as well on Pinnacle, um, on Ronaldo as well. Total Premier League goals over 20.5 is at 1.620. Under 20.5 is 2.20. So actually you do look at those stats that you're on about in terms of his expected goals and whatnot. I mean, just absolutely astonishing. Um, And if you have listened to Jake reel off some of those stats, just just say them to your mates. And if they sort of say, oh, he's 36, he's not going to do it. He definitely is. Um, I think that's everything boxed off here on Premier League Insights Game Week 4 with Jake Oscar Thorpe from InfoGoal. Thanks Jake see you next week um, and just remember that all the odds are subject to change uh, from the time of recording. Uh, there's loads on the InfoGol model as well um, InfoGol.net and all the latest Premier League markets, Pinnacle.com um, and there's some posts at Pinnacle on Twitter some great articles, week to week articles, deep dives into certain fixtures and um, amongst other things we've also got a Champions League pre- preview podcast coming up we've got loads of stuff on the socials coming up on the premier league Ryder cup and the start of the new nfl season so if you're into your betting don't go anywhere stick with all the pinnacle social channels and this podcast feed as well please remember to gamble responsibly and uh, enjoy the premier league return see you next week